You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. My name's Sean Kelly. I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful um, Celtic ramblings. Um, odd to walk into a studio and find Frank and, and Bob Kuchira singing away there. That's <laughs> yeah, interesting starts to the morning. Um, in two hours, Lenny will be here with the jazz show. And joining me for the next two hours is my co-host, Peter Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. Uh, good morning, Sean. How you, how you going this fine morning? Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. loving it. Yeah, no, fantastic. brilliant brilliant day out there. You know, fantastic day. If you had to have a grand final, this would be the place to have it. <laughs> but, you know, some fools will have done it somewhere else. So, great. Good on them. Um, today's show, we've got um, Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal joining us, uh, sponsor, but also um, organiser of the West Coast Futsal and uh, also involved with women's football. So, we'll talk to him about both. Yep. Um, Greg Werner, who is a former uh, broadcaster, he was on 2GB in Sydney, but he's also co-author of the um, Matilda's, was it the Encyclopedia? The Encyclopedia, yeah. 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 Um, very knowledgeable man about his football, very involved in clubs over there, so he'll be great uh, to talk to. Uh, Donna Gouffray, who we always touch base with, DT38. Yep. Um, one of the things, you know, is how do you run something like DT38 through COVID? Um, lots of travel restrictions and, you know, some of the events they've planned have been kiboshed, but they've been quite inventive in what they're doing. So we'll talk to her and then we'll finish up with Tash Rigby, who's just a barrel of laughs, <laughs> crazy girl, but um, talk about her time in the WMPL with Fremantle City and then what she's going to be doing next, which I imagine will be captaining the glory and um, the season for the, the W 
or the W League and see how that, that pans out. Um, in news, uh, A-League start date 27-12-20. That's right. Just after Christmas. Just after Christmas. Pinata's been pushing hard now to get uh, Glory memberships up and running. Um, you know, with the border controls that we've got and there's still no light at the end of the tunnel for us, how many home games we will get? And this is, you know, obviously McGowan's under a lot of pressure to open up the borders. Yep. Um, and up until recently he's been getting a lot of support from a lot of people. But at some stage we do have to, to take a risk. Um, but it's not going to take much to set us back 100 years. <laughs> well, that's true. But as I said to you off air, um, the AFL had a had a bubble where they had teams come over, so I I can't see why we can't get, get the glory happening as well. Yeah, and he, well, in that other sport, the egg ball, they're talking about um, playing in hubs for the 2021 season. Yep. Um, and I don't know how it's going to work because, you know, HBF um, playing at half capacity won't be a problem for them. So, no, no, but I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't no, mean that. Enough, yeah. I mean that in a derogatory fashion. I mean that, you know, a crowd of 12,000 is quite doable. It's, you know, normal crowd. Yep. Um, a healthy crowd. That's a, that's a good crowd these yeah. days. Um, so, if we can get those back in, it'd be good. But I think it's a hard sell, the, um, the memberships for glory. So, yep. that'd be interesting. Having said that, they've made some great signings. I know there's been a bit of. The recycling talk around Keogh, yeah, but you can't can't fault the man's record. Um, then we've got Brandon Wilson back, and I think Brandon is a is a good young player, and I think he yeah just he, need, he didn't have a great time at um, five five games Wellington, at Wellington, yeah, five yeah, games at Wellington, which is why he left. But he also he wasn't going to get a game here whilst Brimmer was here, so you know yep. now Brimmer's gone. I think the door's open for him. Um, Nick Sullivan and Jonathan Aspro-Tomatis or whatever it is. Aspro, we'll call him. Yep, yep. That, that sounds like a good uh, compromise. Yeah, and Dylan Lachlan, um, he looks like the goods as, as far as centre-halves go. Daryl. Daryl, so oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not enough Daryls in the league. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, those five signings alone um, give me some hope. Yeah, that's – and. As I've said, you, we've also still got um, Economides and D'Agostino and Castro and um, someone else who I forgot. Fornaroli. Fornaroli, that's yeah, the other one. Yeah, I to get so, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, Touchwood looking good. Um, I say that with a caveat that before every season I say, oh, the glory's looking good this season and more often than not they kind of let me down, but... Yeah, but that's Certainly. all part of being a glory fan, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tragedy, isn't it? And that's, but it, I think when you look at it, it, there's a good blend of youth and experience there. You know, the yep. um, Dylan Lachlan and um, <laughs> 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 I'm waiting for you to correct me. Come on, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl Lachlan and. Um, Keo certainly older players, but you need that. And if you're going to bring on those young younger players, you need to have some older heads around. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a lot, a lot of commentary about Keo being offside. When you're a striker, you live on that edge, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's it's, true. It's one of those things, and it's not like Mane in the Everton game, you know, where it's an eyelash <laughs> off or something. This is, you know, he's he's always proper off. So you got to give. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the glory over the past. 10 years probably traditionally have had uh, an older squad like like in terms of average age they've always been in the top half of the the A league yeah yeah um you know normally 28 29 even 30 uh so it's good to see them signing a bunch of youngsters uh, oh absolutely you know. it is and I, and I think you know with a a young coach in in Michael Garcia and I think this that's you know like a watershed moment for for football here I know last year um, Ufak Talle got a, a run with Wellington yep. um, and then um, Mark Rudan the year before with Wellington and then with um, 
Western United, Western, yep. Western United last year. It's good to see that you've got these, yes, the computer in the background booting <laughs> up again. Um, some good young players pushing through, or coaches pushing through, and they're yeah. Australian coaches. We're not going for a recycled coach who's failed overseas, uh, unless you're the victory, of course. <laughs> well, no, they've signed up an assistant coach who, who basically, if you mention his, his name in um, Black, uh, Blackburn, yeah, if you mention him, uh, you'll get... Is, is he the bloke that's the spitting image of Kevin Musket? Yeah, I saw the photo yeah, of him, and I, one, for yeah. a second, my my instinct was they've they've resigned Musket, but um. uh, yeah, it was a younger version <laughs> and, and just as well liked. <laughs> so, a very victory appointment, but I think you know that's the the thing is that they're we're bringing up or, or bringing in young Australian coaches, and when you look at the backroom staff for the glory, yep. um, again we've gone for local or um, national. Uh, players of of note, yeah. So you know, like Gary, I know he's an adopted West Australian, but he's he's been a good player for the Glory, yeah. and he's now the assistant coach. We've got Chris Coyne, who's you know done wonderful things with Bayswater. Now he's got the twenties. Yep. Um, Terry McFlynn has moved into the spot vacated by Burnsy. So you know, and, and Terry's another one who's an adopted Aussie, but he's um, you know looking good, and I think it's it's a good setup for us, and I think we're we're right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the Daryl, Daryl Lockman, he's a, he's actually an international player as well um, for the Curaçao national team, which yeah. is in the Caribbean. In case you're wondering, if you're if you're a bit of an older head, you might know them more as the Netherlands Antilles. Um, and I actually did a little bit of research. He's not the he's not the first player um, from there to play in the A League. Uh, we've also had Darren Dial, who played for North Queensland Fury. And also one other player for Adelaide last season was Michael Maria, was also a, a player from the Netherlands Antilles. Yeah. So and and also a national team player as well. So they may even well, I would imagine they probably even know each other already. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we go to the EPL. Um, what a game last week with uh, Everton and Liverpool. Um, I don't know how Jordan Pickford managed to stay on the park. <laughs> um, I know, look, technically um, Van Dyke was offside, so therefore that, that's why it wasn't a penalty. Yeah. But even then, the, the challenge itself was was reckless. I mean, the scissor tackle like that anywhere on the park, anywhere. And I don't care where you, you – veterans on a Sunday afternoon or, or amateurs Division 12 on a, a Sunday afternoon, there's yep. still a send-off, that yep. one. Yeah, And also, if, if we're heading over to Europe, um, again, I mentioned to you before, uh, off-air, yep. uh, we've got an Australian in Awa Mobile. Uh, currently playing in the Premier, League, uh, sorry, in the Champions League for the the Dutch side. Who, sorry, the Danish side. Yeah. Who on FC Magitiland? I could have probably butchered that quite nicely there. He but, did butcher very nicely. But yeah, yeah. So he he good. played a full game against Atalanta, which was a four nil win to Atalanta. But yeah, it's good to see an Aussie sort of back in the in the Champions League as well. Yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to the Champions League. It's going to be interesting as well for the glory if they do manage to progress through the initial rounds, they're going to end up being away over Christmas, yep. which is, you know, obviously going to take a toll on the players and, and the club itself. Um, and I think going away would it's still going to be a problem for them. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we, we end up with that one. Yeah, absolutely. So their, their um, first game, is, well, sorry, their second game of the Champions League, because we did have uh, a game back in February, 
will be 18th of November against Shanghai Shenhua from China. Uh, on then on the 24th, we're playing Olsen Hyundai. On the 27th, Olsen Hyundai again. 30th of November will be Shanghai Shenhua. And finally, on the 3rd of December, will be FC Tokyo. All those games are in Qatar, in Doha, at the Education City Stadium, which apparently is one of the venues for the 2022 World Cup, assuming it still goes ahead. Yeah, I think that's going to go ahead. <laughs> I, to be honest, I had my doubts about it going ahead yeah. long, even before the COVID thing because, I mean, come on, Qatar? I know. So, Air-conditioned stadiums, everything. You know, yeah, that was, be, that was promised before they, got the, um, before they won the bid, didn't they? And they seem to have forgotten all about it since then. Yeah, absolutely, as they would. Um, all right, we're going to go a break and we'll be back after that with uh, Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And if you look on Facebook, there's uh, lots of pictures coming out of West Coast football. I think there was about 170 odd the the other day there from what's going on around the place. And the man who's in charge of all that action is Greg Farrell, who joins us now. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you guys? Good, mate. Um, looking at all these pictures and all the posts that you put up, looks like it's a, a very busy time down there at West Coast Futsal. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly has been a, a very busy start to the, the futsal season, um, given especially that this year there was a little bit of a, a overlap with the outdoor football season. It's um, caused, caused one or two more... Uh, situations than we normally have just just regarding players and competitions and that sort of stuff but we are definitely well underway now and um, I think at the moment I'm sort of working off about seven hours sleep after being at the, the Perth Soccer Club presentation last night for my fiance um, back at Futsal at 8.30 this morning and then we'll have the, the Redbacks presentation tonight and more Futsal tomorrow so 
it's uh, not a bad life, really. <laughs> yeah, no, the thing is you want to make soccer your life. You, you've done it. You've achieved, haven't you? Yeah, well, most, <laughs> most definitely. If if there was a, a an extra period of time in any given day, I have a funny feeling uh, there would be a football or a football ball involved somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and then when, you, when you're running a business, you know, busy is profit, so you've got to be happy with that as well. Mm. Well... Well, West Coast Football Association is actually a, a not-for-profit. We're, we're a sporting organisation, so it is about developing the game. Um, obviously, we, we pay our staff and that sort of stuff, but yep. um, the the game is, is the number one priority. Um, and from the numbers and from the participation, it, it seems to be to be doing very well. Um, and yeah. I think the, the, the female side of the game has actually taken a... A big step forwards recently, obviously with with the progress that's being made in outdoor football, and I think some of the excitement surrounding the the women's World Cup in a few years' time. There's yep. certainly been a little bit of a step up in the female game. Oh, look, we'd be mad if we didn't take advantage of it, and I think you know the the whole point of making money is that you can then push it back into the game. You can employ more more staff, more venues, and and just make the whole thing bigger. Um, now, up until recently, you've been operating kind of in a a gap within the FFA. And I, I know recently that the FFA are taking a, a bigger interest in futsal, mm. uh, particularly around governance. Uh, and they're, they're talking a lot about rogue operators. And I, I know West Coast Futsal wouldn't be one of those. Um, but there, there has been a market that's been able to be exploited recently. Yeah, well, and that's the uh, I've I've been involved in in futsal since the well, I guess the mid nineties. I'm not going to say the early nineties, um, <laughs> but the but back then it was it was run by Soccer Australia, um, and when I say run, that's a, a loose term. They obviously oversaw it, but didn't really do too much, um, and it was basically the the state federations um, let affiliates do the work and just sort of affiliate to them. Um, yeah. And then through through the 90s and the 2000s, it was, it was like that. And then Soccer Australia became the FFA and they they sort of took a step, of, uh, if, they, if they could possibly take a step further away, they did. Um, and that's when uh, the Australian Football Association, the Futsal Federation of Australia, there's, like lots and lots of different um, organisations that that run futsal, even down to the the local rec centres that the council run, they've all played a much bigger role in the last fifteen years than Football Federation Australia have in in the development and the promotion of the game. Yeah. So um, it's kind of a matter of if FFA are going to start to play more of a role. Um, what role is that going to be, and what are they going to? Well, hopefully, what, the, the first thing—the first thing they do is scrap Futsalaroos. I mean, that's just <laughs> a god awful name, but um, I think if there's, if there's some structure around representative sides going over uh, overseas, and and if we do have a, a proper process for um, Getting the so the, it's based on the player's ability, not on their ability to pay. Yeah. Um, is wouldn't be a bad start. Oh no, most definitely. Unfortunately, if if that was to be the case, you look at the 
the NTC programs in in here in Western Australia that are run by Football West, like that, even the the junior national team programs, there is still an element of if people can't afford to go to the NTC Challenge or whatever it is, then are they missing out? Mm. Um, we we as a sport don't get enough government funding, and we know that, but we also don't get enough. Uh, private funding through sponsorship, mm. which is something that hopefully, given the the World Cup and the impact it will have, hopefully those things will increase both the government and the private sponsorship funding because that that is a huge problem in Australian sport is that people missing opportunities where their talent, their ability are are there, but the financial side of it isn't. No, it's incredible, really, when you look at it from a, a state perspective and a national perspective, and then this Australian um, theory, theory of, you know, a fair go for all, um, soccer is, is disproportionately disadvantaged in funding against all other sports. So despite having probably the most participants, particularly at junior level, um, disproportionately the the money we receive from state and national governments is woefully inadequate when you compare it to some of the other codes. Mm. Yeah, well, and we know that, like, historically, um, and I'm from Brisbane, so rugby union is a big sport in Brisbane. We know hockey, um, especially those two sports that are associated with private schools in, in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, even here, um, they tend to get a lot of government funding and even local council funding, um, whether it's it's all uh, above board or not, is sort of a, a question that I think is still being looked at by several court in several court cases. But um, it's that sort of situation where we need to get more football people yeah. into positions of power. Definitely not not to do anything illegal or no, no. below the table, but but yeah. just to, just to so that we have a better voice and and more voices in the right places. Absolutely. I think someone was having a crack at Shane Smeltz because he was standing for Parliament. I think it's great that if he does and gets in, we've got a soccer person that's in there. Um, and that's just one. But we don't do enough of that and we don't lobby politically enough. Mm. Um, when you look at it, you know, there's... there's um, a huge number of footballers across this country who, if we exercised our, our voting rights to a, to a, a, a party that was going to back us, we'd, we'd be laughing. But, um, you know, the, the political side of it is, is a massive thing that we don't do at all well. We've always been a poor second cousin because mm. we behave like one and we need to be a bit more boisterous, a bit more noisy and a, and a bit more bullish in the playground um, politically. Yeah, most definitely. Well, and I think that's something um, James Curtis has, has brought to Football West. Um, obviously, there are other other aspects that, that need to be worked on, but his, yeah. The, the way that he has incorporated government and um, I think the, the the private private company sponsorship and funding yeah. as well yeah. has has been terrific and I think that's oh look I agree almost, with you almost a model for people to follow but then when you look at it the WA state government donated twelve million dollars towards um, the the Aussie rules. Um, statewide and and i think about two hundred thousand football that's just woefully (laughs) inequitable and i think you know if it was closer to six mil six mil we'd be going okay that's still 
Um, even though it's it's a fair share, it's still not because we've got more players. And I think you know we're not greedy, but I think if if Kurt, Curtis got you know six million in the in the football West coffers, <laughs> we'd be able to do an awful lot with that, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, and we talk about the home of football. To, to be honest, I think I would rather that six million dollars doesn't come in until the FFA do all of their restructures. Yeah. And then the money sort of gets used in, in specific ways, but yeah, I but certainly if, understand your point, yeah. But if the FFA, if we wait until the FFA do all their restructures, I'll be I'll be long gone <laughs> and, and probably you and some of the kids that you're coaching, you know. Um, that I, I, I'm more an actress. I think now's the time, you know, and, and we need to do it now. If, if that money was put in and it was put into infrastructure grants, you know, imagine if you spent that money just providing lights and changing rooms to every single club around the place. So you at least had 100, 150 lux lights and at least had decent changing rooms, particularly for girls. And, you know, that that's that money that should be spent on the game. Well, yeah, and that's, that was one of the one of the topics that was discussed in the women's standing committee meeting. Uh, it was maybe last week or the week before. Um, was the the topic of change rooms for especially obviously female players, but it, even things as simple as having canteen facilities open during girls and women's games. Um, yeah. That that sort of funding would most definitely go a long way towards making those things easier for clubs. Now, from a, a women's football perspective, um, we've just had our inaugural season of the WNPL. Um, what did you make of it? It was definitely a sorry. It was definitely a, a step up in um, the quality of, I guess, what was coming from from Football West. Um, the the promotion of the game, the fact that all of the matches were live streamed. Uh, all of the first team matches, we had uh, three officials at every every match, as far as I'm aware, and they were higher calibre officials than than what we've had in the past. Um, so all of those things are positive steps. Obviously, there are still 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 room for improvement, and probably less so to do with football west, and more so to do with the individual clubs, with how how clubs approach things. Um, I think the the player point system from Football West will be an important thing um, moving forward to, to try and help clubs be sustainable. Um, and then the well, and, and so that that's from a governance, a, a rules of the competition sort of perspective. But that will also then help clubs to know what they can and can't do, what they need to do with their squads, and how to balance the I guess the club as a whole with with coaches and all of the other things that come along with the increase in expectations. Yeah, look, I, I don't apologise for the for the bar being lifted. I think that, that was mm. very, very important that the bar is lifted, and you know, clubs have got to meet that. I, I, and I'm against the dumbing down of of the the ground restrictions and all those other things that happen. I know um, I played for Calamunda years ago. And one of the reasons we got out is because you had to have a uh, player's race and a whole range of other things that were just not going to be able to be done at Ray Owen. So the, the club decided they weren't going to be able to meet these um, these restrictions or these added impositions. And really, you look at it now, you can play almost NPL in a in a 
car park with a fence around the ground and, you know, no scoreboards. And just, I, I just don't like the dumbing down. And I think we need to, to lift the standard. If we want mm. to compete with the Eastern States, then, and I've heard all the, the, the things about this is a, a different state and the economy is different and we don't have pokies to fund it. We find other ways to fund it, but mm. we've, we've got to be more professional about what we do. Yeah, well, and, and that has been most definitely one of the biggest benefits of the MPL has been that, that there have been more expectations placed on clubs. And it was even down to something as simple as moving forward to club ha- clubs having to have juniors. Like, and I know that that sounds like one of the most obvious things of all time, but if a club doesn't have juniors, they're not sustainable they're not helping to develop the game. All they're doing is poaching players from somewhere every year. And that's not what the whole idea of the NPL and football at this level is, which is about development. It's about moving players from juniors to seniors to try and get them to the W League, to the Matildas, etc. Yeah. So if we're not if we're not doing those things, then what are we doing? And that that has been one of the biggest differences with the NPL has been that Football West have mandated that clubs have to have this. They had to have a 23s. They had to have a, a facility for a physio and all, all of the the things that clubs really should just be doing anyway, yeah. but they haven't had to do, so they haven't. Because yeah. of the MPL rules, they have to do it, so they do. And it is literally as simple as making a rule, and then people will go and do it. Like It's not difficult, and there are things that, that aren't easy. Like there are situations where clubs need help with specific stuff, but that's only going to happen if it's mandated because clubs operate with volunteers and everything is pragmatic. Everything is, is this a necessity? Is it important? Well, then if it's not, we'll hold off on it. Yeah. Oh, look, and if you don't have to, you won't do it. You know, you, I suppose that's the whole point that, you know, the, the professionalisation of it also then as we, we talk about, you know, we're volunteer administrators needs to, means that they also need to be upskilled and we don't have some of the situations we've had with, you know, people not being registered properly or with the, the results not being put in on time. We have to have a professional mindset around particularly the, the MPL but the WMPL as well. Um, and I think, you know, for the state league clubs, who aspire to be the next NPL club should also be um, working towards that professionalism. Yeah, well, and that that's one of the one of the things that I know has been has been suggested by the the women's standing committee is that the state league clubs have to have specific things in order to be a part of the state league moving forward, so that they then can tick the boxes to be eligible to move up into the NPL when promotion and relegation and that stuff sort of starts. So if you look back over the, the last year, what's the, the one major thing you would like to see changed for next year? Uh, definitely the implement, implementation of the, the points, the player point system. Yep. Um, if I had to give you a second one, which I would love to do, yep. I also think the, the under-23s, the reserve team, the age group should be lowered to, to 22s and or 21s even. Yeah. Um, maybe 22s for next season and then 21s for the following season. Um, not specifically to bring it into line with the men because I don't really think that's 
that should be our priority, but it, it, it's a way of assisting clubs with the spread of talent because at 22 or 23, if players are playing in the 23s at one club when they could be playing in the first team at another, then it's better for the competition for them to be playing at the first team in another. Oh, look, without a doubt. And I think, you know, you, you look at the men's league, I think it's uh, under 20s. Mm. Um, I sometimes think that, that should be up to 24. But, um, and I think that lines up more with the European market. But um, there are some players, particularly goalkeepers and defenders, who probably don't mature until a little bit later on. Um, and, and again, if they, I think with women's football, slightly different because you, you do get an awful lot of... Um, teams playing first-team football uh, and not so much in the men's leagues, which is probably a problem. But um, I'd like to see the the youth getting a bit more of a go, yeah. Well, and, and that's the, the other thing is, like, it's not a it's not a use-by date. It's not a, a finish. Um, like, if a player has not matured or not developed at 21 or 22 and they have to change clubs, that's not necessarily a problem. It's just a situation that happens all the time. Yeah. That person may then develop and become a better player because of the change of scenery. Um, and it, it's sort of that, that situation where if they're not maturing, if they're not developing or progressing at this location, can we yeah. get them somewhere else where they might? And I think when, when you look at it, there's the issue with the men's league is you've got a lot of kids playing in those 20s who – if they stepped out of the um, NPL and played first team in the state league, we'd actually get more first team football under their belts. And as as good as the under twenties is, um, you know, that there's nothing like a you know sixteen or seventeen year old pitching himself up against um, you know a former glory player who's in his mid thirties. Um, the the learning curve is yeah. huge at that point, and I think you don't get that in the twenties. No, well, and I mean, it's exactly the same reason that in European football, big clubs loan out young players so that they get first-team experience in a lower division. Yeah. Because first-team experience in a lower division or even at a at a club that's in the same division but not necessarily quite the same standard is still better than playing reserve team football. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, this is where, again, professionalism kicks in. If you've got a professionally registered player who then you could loan out to the state league club and bring back, um, you're not, you, know, you don't run the risk of losing them. And then hopefully within the next year or two, there'll be a transfer market, which then allows you as a club to capitalise on that development. Yeah, well, and I think the the move towards the more a more professional top level where we are going to have transfers, um, whether or not the transfer fees specifically happen like they do in Europe or if it's uh, a watered-down system where there, there are, are caps on fees and that sort of stuff, I think that, that would still make sense because it's not like clubs in Australia are going to be able to afford to fork out heaps of money, but we also want to make sure that we are still competitive with um, especially Asia. Um, yeah. we, don't, we don't want to lose players to, to Asia for, for not enough money because we put too low of a cap on it. But have a look at how many players have walked out and gone and played Indian um, Premier League this year because yeah. of 
of the money, the players we've lost to Malaysia because of the money, and uh, it's it's a to me it's a new argument about you know overpaying for players. The market determines what the player's worth. Exactly. If you've if you've spent time developing that player and, and you've got a young lady playing for your club, who is then picked up maybe by an Eastern States or an A League team, and they pay you five thousand dollars for that player to transfer, what would that mean to you as a club? Oh yeah, and at this level, five thousand dollars is an enormous thing. Yeah, that's um, what I'm talking about. So you you do that once or twice a year, and you're making ten thousand. It, it, it's money that you can put back into the development of of these kids coming through. And then we talk about pathways. That's where your pathway is funded. Now that team that buys them for for five gets that player to a point where they're picked up by Chelsea or Tottenham or play for the Matildas, and all of a sudden their value has gone up. And if they transfer or they, they make the Matildas, if you've done the contracts properly, you should get some kind of kickback again. So that then feeds your development program. And this is the whole point of, of transfers. People go, oh, but it's all too much money. No, if you do it right, you make money. And if you're good at yeah. developing kids, you will make money. Yeah, most definitely. And that's, that will be the biggest benefit of introducing that system where you, you talk about players who have gone overseas. And if in the, the transfer there is a, a, a sell-on clause, like you say, if I mean if, if Perth Glory had had a sell-on clause for Sam Kerr and she went for a million pounds, then whoever Sam played for as a junior could have gotten a, a cut of that because the I mean I know the the transfer fees in the women's game are not going to be anywhere near what the men's are at the moment, but. It's moving that way. Well, well, I do believe Western Knights. Western Knights did get some money from uh, Sam's development, so I imagine that would. I don't know where that came from, but I do remember reading that they they did pick up some some money, and I think that's right, and that's how it should be. It is definitely how it should be. Yeah. All right, Greg. Getting back to the um, futsal, your season's just underway, so you're you're not taking any um, inquiries for teams or players. Oh no, we we still have all of the all of the social competitions, um, and we have we've just started some some new uh, new junior competitions. So we're, we're we are definitely looking for uh, under ten to under fifteen teams for the junior competitions, as well as our social A to to D grade teams for Monday to Friday nights during the week. So anyone who's looking for something to do on a Monday or Friday night, particularly juniors, how do they get hold of you? Uh, so they can go to the the West Coast Futsal website, um, or they can, and and my my phone number is all over the website and also uh, email address. So it's just www.westcoastfutsal.org.au. Yep. Um, and, and, and for listeners, I can hear Pete tapping away there on the keyboard. It's going to be up on our Facebook page a, in just a sec. A link on our <laughs> Facebook page for you as well, mate. And there's there's a list of all of the the venues that we have. So Netherlands, Mount Lawley. Um, Kingsway, Karen Up, Subiaco, Claremont—they're uh, all—they're all on the website. So there's there's plenty of options for people. Marvelous. Mm. All right, mate. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, enjoy the break. I know that there's no such thing as a break <laughs> when you live live and breathe football, but there, you know whatever break there is, enjoy it. Um, and next time you say I'm from Queensland, try making not to sound like an apology. You're a West Aussie now, mate. 
Well, like it, it, it's definitely not an apology. I'm a proud Queenslander, but there are the occasional situation where I sort of look at what's going on at home and think, oh, goodness, I'm glad I'm over here. Yeah. As, as we all are, mate. I look back at the UK now thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm in the right place. All right, buddy. Enjoy. See ya. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Greg Farrell, West Coast football um, supporter of the the, the uh, program, and uh, just all around good guy. And I think they're doing wonderful things. I know, um, you know, the FFA interference is something that they don't really want, but I think it's something they need in futsal. Yeah, and I, I would like to see a proper representative side. It's no, no good saying, "Oh, look, you." I know you're born in New Zealand and don't have an Aussie passport, and you can represent Australia. It doesn't sit well with me. So, yeah, well, uh, just because you've got the money doesn't. Yeah, well, yeah. As, as we're saying, uh, sort of off air, there's, there's two or three different futsal world cups. There's there's the official FIFA one, but then there's also the well, you know, if you pay your money, you can register yeah. yourself as a team and compete in the World Cup type events, yeah. which, which, which is fine. But um, I don't think they should be branded as a World Cup in that I case. Don't they should be branded as Futsal Aroos either. <laughs> that, that really gets at you, that one, doesn't it? It does. It's hideous. I just. <laughs> oh, look. I get the Matildas and I get the Ollie Roos, but, you know, when we start to go down this, these other lines and just try and tie it into something that's related no, Roos, to a kangaroo yeah, yeah. or whatever, yeah. then, yeah, no, it's it's horrible. And that one is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after that with Greg Werner, who is a Sydney-based journalist who's working on a couple of projects we'll talk to him about. So we'll be back after these. Football first is about to be quenched. A lot of excitement around the start of this season and what a fixture straight up. Wanda is about to say goodbye to the Olympic Park precinct and they can't wait to be hot-footed back to Parramatta. How good is the Melbourne Derby? This should be an absolute cracker. I'm excited uh, for start the this new experience. I'm happy. I love playing here, uh, and I'm going to love managing here as well. The attitude and the, the ambition of everyone's been first class. The games, you can't come quick enough for me. How about that for a finish? 45 meetings between these two, and the tone was set, wasn't it? All the way back, even before season one, and they've been going at it pretty hard ever since. The stage is set for the 21st Sydney Derby. A special night for the A-League. Fabio went low, it's gone in! Sydney FC is the biggest club in, in the country, and I'm just very, very excited to be here. If the Melbourne Cup is the race that stops a nation, and this is the game that spikes the football traffic in the nation's two biggest cities. There is nothing quite like the Big Blue. The expectation of winning football games and winning trophies became very clear to me very fast that this is where I wanted to be. This original rivalry, always a keenly contested affair. There's nothing quite like this fixture. It's an honour for, for us as coaches to work for this kind of club. I'm very thankful for this chance. He rises nicely and steers the ball down and into the back of the net. Wonderful setting, sellout crowd, two best teams in the country. What an occasion we have. 
They score this one and they are the champions. Sydney FC are the champions of Australia. Well, they make it sound exciting, don't they? <laughs> they it's going to be back. Football's going to be coming back on the 27th. Hopefully we'll get a Watch it at HBF. That's right. And uh, someone who I know will be looking forward to it is on the line now. Unfortunately, um, Greg's phone's not working properly or there's some gremlins in the system. <laughs> so very fortunate to have Donna Gouffray on the line from DT38. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Good morning, gents. Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, how are you going? Obviously, uh, the, the weather warming up is not going to be good for someone who's heavy with child. Yes, yes. Um, I'm three weeks away from um, having another little boy. So um, it's been it's been good. The weather's warm, but it's, I'm happy not to be having a baby in the middle of summer or be pregnant during summer. Yeah. Because summers are a bit uncontrollable. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So you're just getting up to the, the business end of, of that season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, DT38, um, obviously COVID has hit you quite badly, but you're, you're still doing a few things in the background, I see. Yeah, we're keeping very busy uh, because obviously social media is uh, one of the most powerful sources of raising awareness for anyone, really, whether it's a charity or work or anything. Um, so our social media is very active at the moment. Uh, we've been involved in a couple of campaigns and we've been working behind the scenes in securing some more ambassadors on board that can help us spread awareness, not just in Australia, but globally. Yep. Um, so we're keeping busy. It doesn't stop for us because cancer doesn't stop. It doesn't discriminate against a pandemic. Um, so we're constantly working behind the scenes over here in WA and um, over in the UK. So we're very busy. And I think when you, you look at it, the the... the um, words out there are that during the, the COVID crisis, a lot of people weren't doing the right thing, weren't going to the doctors when they were mm, finding yeah. issues. So it's vitally important we keep pushing that message. You've got to check yourself. Um, and if you don't, yeah, there's dire consequences. So we, we must be doing the right thing and get over that embarrassment factor. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, while COVID, was, even still till now, you get a lot of doctor surgeries that are saying, oh, and if you're showing signs of symptoms, you can only have a teleconference and whatnot. So people are like, okay, well, what's the point? I'm not going to give you a call. I'm not going to come in. Um, and during this period, I had someone very close to me who um, had a bit of pain down there. And he left it for a little bit and said to me, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's nothing. And I said, listen, you know, I work for a charity that is revolved around testicles and testicular cancer. We're going to the doctor. So he went to the doctor and... Um, some, sadly, not all doctors are very educated in this. You know, they have their, their areas of expertise. And he said to him, oh, don't worry, you're 30-plus years old, you're not going to get testicular cancer. And straight away I was like, um, excuse me? Yeah. That's highly incorrect, <laughs> yeah. number one. <laughs> so it's very incorrect because it's, it doesn't discriminate, but the, the ages are 15 to 45. So he's well in the middle of uh, the possibility. Um, so I gave that doctor a call and told him that, you know, he's, shouldn't be giving out information that he's not aware of and sent him some DT38 merchandise, and like a, a pamphlet to give him some education. So it's just I didn't hear from him because I don't think he liked um, getting told. <laughs> but then, you know, um, the gentleman he went to, Steve Duncan, who is our trusted, um, who does all our free scans every year from ultrasound services and got the all clear, which is great. But the thing is, again, they were just, he was going to go, oh, no, it's fine. It's just a bit of pain. It's just swelling. 
nothing could be there, but you just never know. Yeah. Like you need to be really aware and um, doctors over here are, are also not all educated. So you have to sometimes educate them when you know something. Absolutely. Um, so I think, I think very people, important. <laughs> I think people give doctors too much kudos at times. To, to me, my doctor is a mechanic that deals with my body and I, I don't put him on a pedestal. He, hmm. we, we have a partnership that, you know, all this doesn't happen by accident and he's, he's the man with the, the spanners and, and parts that, Looks after me, and and I I engage in that with him. But you're the one who's aware that the check engine light is on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that that's the whole point of yeah, this. Is, absolutely. Is, you know, that just because they they've spent an awful lot of time at school to learn how to be a doctor doesn't uh, you know give them all of the information. And you know, you have to, as you said, educate them yourselves. And and just because he says, oh, no, look, I don't think it matters. You go, it does, and I'd like to have a test, please. Yeah, and that's and that's the main thing. It's if you still walk out of there going, mm, I'm a bit unsure, then you know what? Go get another opinion or keep following it up. Don't let it just go away. And that's with any illness, really. It's not just with testicular cancer. No. It's with anything. If I walk out and I don't feel confident in what the doctor's reported to me, rest assured, I've got I'm going to another one. Whether it's my if my local GP is the one that has told me that, um, I will go get another opinion. And I do that too now because your health is. It is number one, and it's the most important thing. You know, money, everything else comes and falls into place. But if you don't have your health, you're not going to have a very good life. No, so that's the main thing. You're not going to have a life, <laughs> are you? That's the whole thing. No, just no. not a good one. You're not going to have one at all. Now, a couple exactly. of things. You talked about the programs you're running. Is the um, the 380 appeal still going? The 380 appeal is still going. Um, we're also luckily enough to be one of the charities to benefit from the Containers for Change that's happening in WA. Yep. So um, if you jump onto our social media, you can see our scheme ID. So if you're going to a drop bag facility, you just write our number. Um, it's quite a long one, but you know, I'll let you guys go on social media instead of saying it out loud. No, Absolutely. No, we'll, we'll put it up on our um, web page. But yeah, yeah uh, perfect. And I think it's great. You've got a couple of empties. Take them down there and, and um, swap them over because, you know, for you it's just getting rid of, of the disposable bottles the right way around. But it could save yeah. someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. So the funds will all go directly to DT38, so which is fantastic. And I mean, you know, I know I think it's what ten cents a um, container or yeah. two cents a can, whatever it is. And really, you know, it's a way of saving the earth as well with recyclables. So we're just doing the right thing um, as well. But we get to benefit from that. We had that, and we were also involved in the Soccer Aid campaign, which was a great success. And Soccer Aid is a um, it's over east in Victoria and it's run by FNR and a few other podcasts in Australia. And they approached us to be involved and our trusted patron, Daniel Garb and Ambassador Simon Hill, uh, represented DT38 on the podcast, which was fantastic. And again, um, funds were being raised through their platforms as well. And it was fantastic because it was a national thing. It wasn't just targeted to the WA community. It was targeted to the Australian community. So that was that was a huge success as well. So we don't stop. There's no stopping us. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I think obviously um, with November coming up, Grow a Mo for a Bro is another way we can support DT38. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And we've just launched that across our social media. Um, I know a few of the lads that really want to join in. My husband does it normally every year. I'm trying to, I'm trying to convince him this year, let's just, um, let's just donate because we've got a little boy coming and, that mo and the hugs and kisses doesn't work very well on a new baby skin. So, <laughs> um, I'm like, look, let's just give some money. <laughs> 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 the best thing to do. 
But no, it's another way to get involved. It's a fun way. Um, you see the guys growing their mows. Um, you know, some of them can't grow one, but bless them, they try to. <laughs> uh, they just want to be involved. So it's, it's a great way. You know, we try to see the like towards it as well, make it a little bit humorous and fun. Um, I know that our social team and our media comms manager in the UK, Ian, put a little mo on Dylan. Yeah. Um, and it suits him very well. Um, so, you know, you look at it and you just see the, the funny side of it, of what, you know, you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. But, you know, we also try to make sure that we're, you know, making people smile as well along the way because it'd be something that Dylan would do, I believe. He would probably put on a fake moustache and pretend that he could grow one. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, I think mine would come out in too many different colours now. And um, <laughs> and I also think it would just be like a little Hitler tash, and that just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Oh, no, that's <laughs> – yeah, no, I wouldn't be doing that. Oh, that no, so, I don't think so. <laughs> but I think it's important that people know that they can, can still participate by, by making a donation. And, again, it helps. Um, so if you can't grow a mow or you don't want to grow a mow, then you don't have to, but you can still support – the uh, DC38 by by making a donation. Um, I d- yeah, absolutely. I did have a look on your uh, Facebook page and saw a quite inspirational uh, story um, about Britain's manliest man. You know, you get, don't get much more manly than a fighter pilot who's also a martial arts expert. Um, yeah. <laughs> but even that, he wasn't immune from testicular can- uh, cancer and depression. No. So, mm. you know, the the two things maybe were related, but it you know, didn't seem to be related. But um, obviously he's been through the, the whole cycle of testicular cancer. He's also now an advocate for men's mental health. And I think, you know, the two things are yeah. uh, very, very important. And we, we don't talk about our health enough. And we don't, certainly don't talk about our mental health well enough. No, no, absolutely not. And mental health is one of the biggest things, especially in men. Um, I think it's, the stigma has slowly started to change here because, there's a lot more people talking about it and I think there's a lot more uh, role models out there coming out and speaking about it. You you know, you never used to hear of AFL players or basketballers or musicians um, come out and openly speak about struggles that they've had. Uh, but people are doing that now. Um, the men are doing it now. So our younger generation is going, okay, well, XYZ is talking about this, so why can't I? Like, let's, let's have a chat. You know, and I think it's... It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, so, you know, your health and mental health, are children, especially mental health, if you're going, if you're struggling through cancer treatment, testicular cancer, it can be quite aggressive and um, your mental health will be severely impacted if you're not strong enough to handle it. So um, they tie in yeah. very much together. So no, you very, have to just be open. Very inspirational story. I mean, he lost a testicle to, to, to cancer, but it hasn't held him back. Um, and it, no. I suppose what it does show is, is that I, this, you do survive it, you can survive it, and that, you know, yes. you can excel in your field, even though you, you've been affected by it. So, you know, the, there's a lot Absolutely. of positives from it, and it's about looking at those positives rather than negatives. And I think a lot of people see the, See, see that the the C word is a sentence, not not just a word or a letter. It's just you know, it's how you deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with you. So, what's next for for DT thirty eight? Look, you know, at the moment we're working with a couple of other people that have approached us um, to do some sort of collaboration with them, um, and we're looking to push that for the new year because we're coming to the end of the year right now. Uh, so we're working behind the scenes um, to hopefully do some sort of coaching clinic where we can educate coaches about men's health 
as well um, as, you know, educating their kids, the ones that are coming through the system. Um, and that's that's our big thing. And then we're, I'm, I'm in discussions with a few more new ambassadors. I mean, a couple, uh, yeah, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we had Kevin Musket uh, jump on board. And um, that was fantastic because, you know, he's, one of the strongest men on and off the pitch, I think we can say, um, yeah, very uh, very comfortably, <laughs> and he's doing so well um, at the moment. And uh, you know, having a global reach again over in Europe is huge for us. I mean, I know we've we've stamped our authority over in the UK, which is thanks to West Ham and Millet and obviously Tracy, the founder and whatnot over there. But let's you know, we we need to step away from that as well and you know, expand into other countries. So having someone like um, must be on board is unbelievable. The the attention and the response we got, even by you know a lot of people that probably hated him when he played at Melbourne Victory over here or played um, against them, they were stoked to see someone like him just put his hand up and go, you know what, yeah, I want to help. And his message that he sent me and all over our social media uh, was really well received. Uh, you know, he really gets into it and he, he cares. Yeah. He's got passion, and that's one thing you can't take away from Kevin. So, oh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no. so it was, you know, it's really great to have someone like him on board. So we're constantly uh, looking for new ambassadors. They're not just in, fo- in the football community. Um, they can be anyone. So we're working um, behind the scenes at the moment with that. The AFL season is coming to an end today, which is um, sad because it means that people have to wait another five or so months. Um, but it just means we can now approach... The players, because, you know, they're not mid-season and it's been a bit of a crazy season. It hasn't been a normal season for a lot of people. So mm. um, that will be our next step as well, just get into the AFL community because we all know that how dominating it is over in WA. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, the, the thing is that even if you play AFL, you, you've still got testicles and you still could lose them. So. <laughs> Absolutely. They're still there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've hated Muskie since he pulled on a Millwall shirt. That, that's the West Ham in me. And just... <laughs> You know, although, look, it's, it's great that someone who has played for Millwall will do something in support of West Ham players. So, I mean, it, yeah. and for those people <laughs> outside of that culture, you just don't understand it. It's like, you know, Celtic no, and Rangers. Right. And, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a hatred there gone back a, a long time. It's good to see that he is supporting um, a decent club at last. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if he's supporting the club. Supporting us, so we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with the club <laughs> yeah. side of things for now. <laughs> All right. So um, now for yourself, obviously you've you've got what five weeks or so to your, um, your three, evi- to, three three weeks to go three three yep. till till the eviction. Um, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> <laughs> three uh, weeks to go, and um, we're just excited. Obviously, um, a lot of work going into the far post first at the moment. We're very active on social media, so. It, it doesn't stop for us. Um, probably won't stop for me. You know, I don't mind doing that side of things. I obviously love my football and love, um, you know, what I do. So it's great. Uh, I'm looking forward to the A-League starting again. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Like, yeah. it's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, you, I mean, you, you made a couple of signings. Um, Brimmer was one of them. And you, you've just yeah. signed a new assistant coach who destroyed Blackburn. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, um, when I first looked at the photo, it, I looked at it quite quickly and I was like, that's must it. I'm like, no, it's not must it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but, it's, yeah, you know, for victory, it was, it was looking more uh, doom and gloom. I said to Mahabi, I said, not sure why we want to play in the ACL. We don't actually have a squad. 
yeah. um, which I think is what a lot of clubs are saying. I mean, they're Sydney at the moment. Um, and the signings are coming in. You know, Brimmer was a good pickup. Um, you know, he's young, he's hungry, so let's hope that that's what transpires on the field. But I think um, the big talking point, aside from victory, is the fact that Glory went from, you know, people going crazy with they've got no players. I think they had like eight on board or something mm-hmm. at one stage, and yeah. now all of a sudden they're they're in the 18 mark with making five new signings this week, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and I think Andy coming back was one of the biggest ones that people wanted to see. Yeah, definitely. Look, and the good thing is that he's an Australian citizen. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, he's, he's done his little journey over into the Asian market and he's had a look at it and he's back home. And I think, you know, if he, if he plays out the season with us and, and goes into, um, coaching, he's, he's at the right club for that. Yeah, I agree. And I think class, I've been a very huge critic of him and uh, Neil Sherwin and I go back and forth a bit. Um, it's, uh, but this last season, I thought he was really done, hard done by getting, you know, pulled off the grand final team and off he went. And I think he had scored about 15 goals in the match, uh, in the season um, yeah. when Gloria made the grand final. Yeah. So I think it was, um, he was very hard done by and he actually improved. He actually proved me wrong. And I think he'll do really, really well on the pitch. Um, a lot of the players respect him as well. So that's a good thing. And as you said, if he just does a year here, you know, I believe he was at Inglewood, was he not coaching at Inglewood? He was, previously? yes. So yeah. I can't see why he can't go back to the NPL and just, you know, build his build his coaching um, pedigree up and his resume and then come back. As you said, he's an Australian citizen, loves being in WA. He's got good friends here. And he's actually a really good guy. He's quite funny. Yes. Um, and he's very down to earth. Uh, which you wouldn't think when you see him on the pitch. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I think he's one of the biggest ones, but also Brandon Wilson coming back. Um, oh, another I was sad. Yeah. I was sad when we lost him, but I think, you know, having Jake Brimmer and him kind of competing for the same spot wasn't working. And, you know, as much as Popper was a good coach, there is, there are some people like Andy Keogh and Brandon Wilson obviously weren't getting that vibe off of him. And and then when you, you read the stuff about Castro throwing the contracts at him and stuff like that, you know, you, you wonder about some elements of his coaching ability. Um, and, you know, I think it's good that these players are coming back. Look, um, with Popper, you know, there was a, when he signed on, everyone was very excited because I believe he's actually one of the best coaches Australia's ever produced. Undoubtedly. And I always, I say to myself, I would kill for him to coach Melbourne victory. He reminds me a lot of Muskie. Um, he expects a lot. He expects respect. Um, he's very hard on the players. I don't know what happened. Um, obviously, I read that story about Castro as well. I've heard, you know, there's a there's a few discrepancies in that, but won't get into that. Um, and, you know, also, in fairness, uh, and everyone was so hard on Popper's son's playing, and I understand because it felt like Alice Edwards 2.0, you know, with his boys playing. But, um, you can't fault the kids because it's not, hey, if you're going to get a contract and you're going to play some senior football, you're not going to say no whether it's your but, dad putting you out there or someone else. But they were also so, they were also Australian internationals at their age yeah, groups yeah. And, and they were Correct. quality. Neither of them was a Steve McMahon. Yeah, no, they, they the kids certainly deserve to be on the team. Oh, they certainly deserve. So, you know, um, they weren't the quality that we were, you know, that you had expected um, from Glory because there was obviously players that, I believe were probably better that should have got a shot yeah. um, mm-hmm. over them. And I think that's where it started to come into play going, okay, so you're bringing your son out there. But towards the end of the season, you know, you had 
the hub and you had Castro on his little West Australian adventure because he didn't <laughs> want to come back yeah. because of family reasons and whatever. Um, you know, injuries came into play. And, you know, you start to lose the locker room. And mm. um, I always said that Popper, the minute he would get another offer somewhere else, he'll be gone. I don't believe he's more than a two to three season coach mm. in the A-League. I think he has more um, aspirations else, like to go elsewhere, which we can obviously see now. He's gone over to the over to the Greek League. And I said that from the beginning. I said, don't expect him to be here five, six years because no. he's not that type of person. <laughs> so his, his time was done, but I think it was done, um, I think it left a bit of a foul taste in the mouth of a lot of the um, fans over here, which is fair enough because it was done quite quickly and, you know, yeah. obviously the whole shenanigans with Kasher not being there and whatnot. But, but, it's, but it's nice to see... Well, it's nice to see the way we've gone, though. We've got Richie Garcia in charge now, so we're... Yeah. Um, gone local and, you know, um, bringing McGarry in as his assistant, Chris Coyne from Bayswater as the 20s. Yeah, um, there, there's, You know, there, there's a nice symmetry about it all. And I think, you know, if that's the way it's going and, and the players not only see that there's a, a progression for the youth coming through because Richie's going to be playing some of those young guys up, then there's, there's also yeah. progression for the older players into the coaching ranks. There, there's, you know, it's, it's all very Liverpool's 1970, but it's, you know, they were, <laughs> they were very successful. Yeah, look, when um, they announced Richard, obviously he's a local boy, played for glory, wears his heart on the sleeve. He's done um, a bit of coaching and whatnot. He probably wasn't the first pick for a lot of um, glory fans over here, and that's to be completely honest. Um, there was a bit of a, oh, why, you know, he's the cheaper option and whatnot. In hindsight, he's actually, um, you know, he's done very, very well um, in the youth ranks with the players. Uh, he's probably one of the most respected guys in the WA football community. And like you said, he's got now Coiny on board. He's got Stephen McGarry there by his side. I mean, it kind of, it feels good. It feels like a, you know, personally, I've always called them like a home club. It's a family club. And right now it looks like, the family's being pieced back together. The jigsaw's coming back together with all the, with the all homegrown guys over here, all past boys players, all you know, staying aboard. And um, I think he'll do very well. I think he will do well. I don't, I don't have high expectations of winning the league, um, but hey, they've proved me wrong before, so I'm sure he'll prove me wrong but, again. But, but I think he'll do well. But the thing is, you, you look at it now. The Ufak Talley, who played or, or coached at uh, Wellington last year, and Mark yep. Rudan, who who did the year before that and then went to um, Western United. Um, three very young Australian coaches and who else was yeah. appointed this? Uh, Carl Veert. So th- these are these are watershed moments. We're, we're starting to get some of those golden generation era coaches through. Now, not all of them were in that golden generation, but they've all had experience no. of, of being coached by that group of people that, that produced that that generation yeah. and yeah, they are absolutely. now when I'd, I'd much rather give Richie Garcia a go than bring in somebody who's coached at, you know, Colchester or South end um, and go, you know, we've got brought in this experienced English coach. It doesn't matter. Mm. I think we're developing yeah. our own talent as, as managers. And that's what we really need. Oh, look, I said the same thing when Grant Brebner signed on for Melbourne victory. I mean, yep. he's, he's, a, he's a victory man through and through, believe them. Uh, he was a beast on the field. He's a beast off the field. He's very well respected over there. And, you know, again, there was a bit of backlash. Oh, why are we bringing someone in that doesn't have much experience, that said they didn't want to do it and whatnot. But, you know, um, like you said, I highly rate Mark Rudin. Um, 
personally, I think he's a fantastic guy. I know him well. And I also rate him as a coach. And, um, you know, people like that is what brings clubs together. And I think that's what the A-League needs right now. We're in a bit of a uncertainty. We're not called anything. We're just called the A-League at the moment. The Hyundai's been chopped off because they're yeah. no longer our sponsors. But, let, but um, let's be you know, confident about our own abilities and not having yeah, to exactly. bring in... Um, you know, journeyman from overseas. Let's develop our right. own, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. And I think, as I said, I think it's what we need at the moment. We need that that feel again. We need, um, you know, I was watching highlights that um, a couple of the victory guys shared from the very first um, derby back in 2000 or something. And I was like, can we bring, let's bring that back, even the glory days. Like, let's, let's bring that feel back, you know, and it comes down, it starts from the top, it starts from you know, from your CEO to administration yeah. to your coaching and then your players. So everything feeds down. And I think um, there's a good feel, and I believe um, from people that I've spoken to the Glory Campus, there's been a good um, good feel around the club at the moment. And, you know, they're very happy with what they've got. So let's just hope that the season does kick off successfully. And we open our borders so we can see some football over here. Be nice. Like we're going to be seeing it anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to Greg Werner yesterday and, and um, he was saying, you know, how do you get the, the old glory shed back and things like that? And I, it's very difficult because being involved in, in back in the day, that was that was organic. It mm. wasn't something that was planned yeah. by a club. It wasn't something that was orchestrated by an individual. This was just a group of people who started chanting and singing like they used to back home. And before we knew where we were, we had a, a unique West Australian slant on it and very much a, a laconic sense of humour within the shed, which I think it's lost a bit. But, um, you know, back to those glory days in the NSL, that was, you know, really the, the great time to be in the shed. Mm. Yeah, Mahabi talks about that all the time. You know, he's been a long-standing member of the Glory, and it comes down to the people. I mean, people. You know, the culture has changed in football, and uh, you know, there's a lot more younger people uh, in the home end now. It's not so much the old school, and I think a lot of there's still a lot of resentment there from a lot of people that used to be part of the shed back in the days in the NSL days. They still hold that that resentment. Um, I'm not sure why, because you just you're just never going to be happy. Uh, you're not, I don't think it's resentment. I think we just, we just matured and grew up, and that's <laughs> that's you know, yeah. And, and we're uncomfortable with that because we never wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, you just want to be kids forever. That's not how it works, guys. I hate to break it to you. Um, you've got to grow up someday. No, you don't. I was, I was playing with my grandson in the hospital the other day, and the woman said to me, you, are you going through your second childhood? I just looked at her and said, lady, I haven't finished the first one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a child in, us, in all of us, trust me. <laughs> uh, no, no, mine's well on the outside. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, I don't project it too much. I've got to be, you know, a role model and – Whatnot. I've still, I've, you know, my little boy's three, and he really knows how to turn on the PlayStation and play FIFA. So yeah. um, it really concerns me. So that someone needs to be an adult in the household. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to have to be me. <laughs> All right, look, Donna. Um, thank you for being on. Um, no, thank you, guys. Yeah, look, I feel for you for this last three weeks because you're just in the get it out of me now stage. But you know, yep. I'm, yep. I'm sure you'll be bringing another. Hopefully not a little victory fan. I'm hoping he's going to be, this one's going to be a glory fan into the world. No, no. Well, the first one is a glory fan. Oh, good. So this oh, one good. is the victory one. Yes. Yeah, so I've got to have – it's got to be even because it's another boy. Yeah, so no, I'm already outnumbered here. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's how it goes, really. The first one, you always protect them and make sure they get the best of everything. The second one, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let, 
<laughs> they're, they're eating food off the floor. No, don't worry about it. It's the second one. It's, it's not a problem. Yeah. All right. Thank no, you very no. much. And uh, all the best Thanks for the so future. Much, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That's Donna Gouffray. Um, good girl. And uh, does a wonderful job out there for DT38. So, um, you know, doesn't matter who, what code you follow, um, what team you follow. Um, get the twins checked out. Don't, no, and don't be embarrassed. It's it's part of of your life and you've you've got to make sure that you're looking after yourself because we all want you back again, listening to the radio show and being involved in football, which is what it's all about, really. Absolutely. All righty. We're going to um, try and get hold of Greg again. I don't know how that will go. Um, But, you know, look, there's there's so much going on in in the local scene. I see... um, Bayswater signed uh, Gareth Naven yes. as their coach, which is a great appointment for them. Um, I don't know what it means for him because he, he still works for uh, Football West, as does Jamie Harmore, who's coached for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jamie's role is very different. And I think um, that uh, Gareth is involved in the development side of the, the youth. And, uh, yep. you know, yep. hopefully uh, Gareth's very professional about what he does. And I think Bayswater are as well. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see. I think he's a great coach for them. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, if they ever get this national second division off the off the um, ground and Bayswater join, that'd be interesting to see what happens there from that side of things. Yeah, definitely it would be. Um, yeah, I don't know where we get one or two. I think we'll only get one. I'm I think pretty we'd sure get that, one. that Gary yeah. Morocco will make sure that it's Perth. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, look. The, the second division must happen, and other things we talked about earlier on would be that we um, must get uh, a transfer market going. And I think, you know, yes, it's going to be nickel and dime stuff at state league and NPL level, yeah. but at A-league level, you know, you look at the, the players that um, Glory have developed that have gone over, um, and Brim have been the last one recently, yeah. where all we've done is dissolve his contract and he's gone for nothing. Been great if you'd have said to Victory, that's great, but, you know, it's a it's a 20K or a 50K transfer fee yeah um which isn't in football circles it's not an awful lot of money but you do that three or four times in in a season the owners start to see their money back and if you sell a player overseas obviously there's bigger money involved in that yeah which then has a trickle down effect um and that's really what we want any any idea off the top of your head who the biggest transfer the glory would have ever got was i've got an idea in my head the silver i the silver yeah I i was thinking rukovica i seem to remember something about him Transferring for a million, but again, dusty memories from about ten I, years ago. I, now. I think the silver. Um, yeah, yeah um, maybe. Ar- ironically, where's he now? Sydney FC, Central Coast. Central Coast. Central yeah. Coast. Yeah. So look, it's it's one of those things. It, it's people bulking it because of the money and having to buy a player. But then, if you look at it from that point of view, you can you can make your money back. Yeah. And if you, if someone was to buy, you know, uh, think, you know, a Brandon O'Neill from Glory who plays at Sydney for a few years, who then gets picked up by a big Chinese club for money. Yeah. Um, now everyone wins. Yeah. Right the way down to his, his local club, ECU. Yeah. Ironically, they're probably the biggest winner, even though the amount they get is less than anyone else. Cause as, as you said, on the economies of scale for them, it's a, you know, it's, it's a bigger, you know, five grand is worth a lot more. Oh at yeah, a local club absolutely. Level. At local club level, it's it's a it's an absolute. Well, it's a sponsor you don't have to find. Yeah. Um, and if you if you could do that consistently, then you know it starts to to fund and seed your 
development program. Yeah. And you do enough of that and you sell directly to overseas in some cases, you can make bigger money. Yeah. But it's about getting that established and, you know, it's, it's how it works in the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're going to go a break. I'm going to try and see if we can get hold of Greg Werner and uh, we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. All right, there's a little bit more about West Coast Futsal. And again, uh, if you want to get in touch with them, the details are on our webpage. Um, joining me now is Greg Werner, who is a journalist, former uh, radio presenter with 2GB in Sydney. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Pete. Uh, morning. Um, Welcome to a, a very a very wet and windy Sydney. Oh, really? Really? Oh, here the sky is blue, the the, the sun is shining. It's a, a real beach day today for us out here. It's, this is paradise. <laughs> no, the east east coast is getting battered. They're uh, they're gonna, they're copping it right now up in um, in Brisbane. It's going to be a very 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 wet AFL grand final tonight. <laughs> Oh well, oh dear. Would have been would have been perfect here. <laughs> Never mind. Um, that's that's another code. I'm not interested in them. Uh, talking to you yesterday, very interesting chat I had with you about a number of things. Um, but the first thing we we did talk about was the the project you're currently working on. Um, would you like to uh, expand on that? Uh, yeah, currently working on uh, on a, a new book slated for release in uh, 2022 for the centenary of the uh, the uh, international game here in Australia. Uh, so it's uh, it's a history of, of both the national teams, the uh, the men's and the women's, and a, and a nod to the the history of the game overall. So it's a uh, looking at you know where players have come from and uh, and you know how they contributed to the game and and basically a chronological look I guess at the uh, at the international side of the game here in Australia over uh, over the last hundred years. Is that a follow on from your your grassroots football project? Uh, it's it's working alongside it really. It's, it's sort of um, expanding upon the work I've done in that um, and it's. Uh, 
yeah, I like to think of the two things as, as being um, working hand in hand. The, the grassroots football project is, is one of those things that will never end. Yeah. Uh, as long as players keep getting selected for the national side, uh, <laughs> it will. Uh, we will continue to acknowledge the uh, the clubs from which they came. Absolutely, mm. I think you know it's, it's very important. I spoke with Andrew Howe, who um, co-authored the Encyclopedia of the Matildas with you uh, a while ago, about how important it is to document our history and to um, to look at you know, the the origins of the game in this country. And I know Ian Sison's done a lot of work around the, the early origins of the game during the war. Um, so it's, it's vitally important that people like you are involved in the sport. Yeah, the the, the history of the game is, is imperative if, if, you, if you are to have um, a, a footballing culture. Uh, and the whole idea of, of the work that, People uh, like like Ian and myself and so many others are now doing around the country is is building that culture up. I guess as much as anything, mm. uh, you know, you can't uh, you can't really be involved in the in the game unless you understand where it's come from. Uh, you know, to to I guess plan for the future, you've got to have some deeper understanding of uh, of you know where the game started. Uh, I mean, look at your at your own local clubs for. You know, as, as, your, as your standpoint in the game. Yep. Uh, when did your club start? Why did it start? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. We've got some of the oldest clubs in in, in this country, in Queen's Park and uh, Bassendine Caledonian. So they've, they've been around, for, it seems like, forever now. But, uh, you know, they were there at the very uh, embryonic stage of the game in this country. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're looking at, you know, club sides now that are, some of them in excess of 130 years old. Uh, the, you know, the clubs that started in the uh, in the coal mining areas of uh, of the country. Um, yeah, I found something out the other day which which interested me. I'm, I'm doing but my next project. I've started the sort of the ground groundwork on that, and um, uh, the um, the father of, uh, of one of the soccerers from the 1950s was playing uh, playing football down in Collie in the very early part of last century. Mm. You know, and he was uh, he was involved in the coal mining industry. Yeah, and it's those sorts of things that people forget. They, they all think it started with the NSL in the 80s, and it, it didn't. It was <laughs> yeah. around for a lot longer than that. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we really haven't had the, uh, the stories to, uh, to bring forth from the, from the past. Uh, you know, if I go back to, to uh, when I was a kid, there was, there was really only one book on, on football in Australia to be found, and that wasn't written until 1974. Uh, that was um, Jack Pollard's book that he did with Sid Grant, uh, and that was that was the only book that you could find that had any information on the game in Australia. Now, thanks to you know to Fair Play Publishing and, and a few other places around the country, that um, that story is starting to be told again, which just means that, from my perspective, the game can really only flourish further because people can can read more about uh, about you know, where the game came from. And I suppose the other important thing from a, a publicist's perspective and, and from an author's perspective is when you, you put out the Encyclopedia of the Matildas, it, it sold out almost instantly and that shows that the demand is there. Yes, yeah. Uh, and the good thing about it is that we've now gone into uh, gone into a second print. You can order you, your, uh, your copies now of the, of the second edition, uh, which I think will hit bookshelves in uh, about six weeks' time. Just in time for Christmas. 
really exciting for us, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, look, I think it's great. And then, as you said, these these works never finish, really. So um, whilst there was, you know, a, a 2018 edition, there there obviously need to be a, a, a 2020 going forward yeah. as more players have, have pulled on the, the golden green. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to pull on the, the green and gold. Who knows when they're actually going to get on the park again? Oh, mm. uh, look... Uh, Hopefully we we've got the women's World Cup coming soon, so I should imagine we'd, we'd be right by then. Um, we were talking earlier about the the World Cup, which obviously is coming up very shortly. Um, so there's there's a lot of football to be played, and yep. I think the ACL being held in in Dubai is is a, a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's football is going to come at us uh, from an international perspective in a rush. I think it's it's not been. Uh, not going to be drip fed to us as it has been in the past, but it's, uh, there's going to be, I think, the way things are shaping, a lot of games played in a very short uh, period of time. Uh, and hopefully everything will be in place for 2023 and we can sort of revert to some sort of sense of normality. <laughs> well, you, using history as the key, you go back to the uh, Spanish flu epidemic um, you know, 100 years ago, and uh, I think it took three years for things to settle down after that. So 2020, 2023, perfect timing. Mm. Yeah, now history keeps on repeating. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Um, now, another big passion of yours is you've been a, um, a player, you've been a coach, you've, you've been a broadcaster, an administrator. Um, you're still involved in the game at local level? Yes, I, uh, I've, I've given away the playing. The knees said uh, no more for that. <laughs> As uh, they I've do, given yeah. away the, well, I've given away the coaching. Uh, I now, I now blow a whistle every um, every season. Just uh, in the Sutherland Shire down here, you know, anything from sort of under twelve through to over forty fives. Yeah, no, look, it's a very, very important part of the game and I hope there's um, mention of referees in, in some of your, your writing somewhere because they all are also a very important part of the game. Um, but, you, you can't have a game without a referee. And that, that's one of the beauties of football is, you know, originally you play and then as your knees go, you go to coaching and then as your eyesight starts to go, you can start refereeing. Yeah, we're all blind. <laughs> and and the deafness helps as well. <laughs> you can't hear the abuse. <laughs> uh, um, how has football fared over in uh, New South Wales with the, with COVID? I mean, we, we're very fortunate. We've managed to get a kind of season with 16 games um, out of the way and, and we've, we've actually played competitively. So that I think that's been a, a real success over here. How has New South Wales fared? Uh, New South Wales, the NPL season finishes this weekend. Uh, we've got the the men's and women's grand final. The men's, uh, the old Sydney United or Sydney United 58 as they are these days, take on uh, Rockdale Illenden in the in the men's, and we've got uh, Sydney Univ- uh, Sydney University versus Manly in the um, in the women's side of things. Uh, virtually complete uh, local. Grassroots seasons were played without finals, yeah. so there was the, the old style uh, league format um, went through in all the local competitions here. So you know we didn't kick off until July. I believe you guys had your your seasons kick off a little earlier. Yep. But, yep. Uh, we've um, we've been finished from a grassroots perspective for I think three weeks now. But yeah, the NPL finishes this weekend. No, at least you've got a season now. Unlike the Mexicans, who haven't been able to have a season. 
Yeah, I feel I really feel for uh, for everybody down mm. in Victoria. It's um, yeah, not being able to get out for anything more than an hour a day. It's just just absolute nuts. But that's only fortunately down to people just doing the wrong thing. Yeah, and it's, it, I suppose that's part of the the rebellious um, Australianness that we you know we we don't take instruction too well. <laughs> but um, I think you know particularly. Western Australia's done exceedingly well. Um, I fear what would happen if we do get community spread. We've not had one one case in the community, um, which is exceptional. I think when you look at it from a global perspective. Mm. Yeah, you see what's happening in Europe at the moment, and uh, yeah, it's scary. It's scary. It's just there, there's no stopping it. it it's reached that um, that uh, turning point in in Europe where it's. I, I believe personally that it's it's unstoppable now. Uh, you know, and it's going to get to the point, I believe, where it's going to be 100% um, coverage in Europe. And what do you do? Poor old Europe's going to be pretty much uh, isolated. I think it's going to be, going to be pariahs um, for, for quite some time. Yeah, they, they're talking about um, no travel between uh, Australia and England and America until there is actually a, a, a cure or a... Um, a vaccine. a vaccine. So be, that'll be very interesting because um, World Cup's coming up. You know, both those countries, um, particularly in the women's uh, World Cup, would be you know up there. But if they're not playing friendlies and they're not able to train or play professionally within their countries, it's it's really going to be a poor prepara- preparation for them. Mm. Yeah, I I think there's going to have to be some some hubs set up. Uh, probably, I would imagine, in the Middle East somewhere. Um, this is probably a perfect uh, piece of timing for Qatar mm. uh, to do some some testing of their uh, their match readiness. Um, yeah, you take uh, you take sides that are qualified for uh, for World Cups and, and run a whole bunch of games uh, there, and um, and the same for the Olympics. There's going to be a, I think a lot of stuff needs to be sorted out um, prior to uh, to Japan next year yeah. and and the Middle East could well be the, uh, the the saving grace for them. And then when you look at how many players Australia has now playing in Europe, um, particularly in the women's league, yep. um, yeah, we, we could get caught up in it as well. Yeah, I I you know, believe that the, that uh, that FIFA and 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 the uh, the Qataris will they will work something out here. I, I think um, you know, Qatar is, is going to suffer or probably are suffering now for the lack of flow through from uh, the various points being the hub that it is uh, and you know it's going to benefit everybody if we can we can work something out from that uh, that area because yeah what are we going to do we've got half of our uh, half of our squad playing in England and the rest of them playing in other places in Europe yeah without it's, a doubt yeah it's it's going to very uncertain times ahead I mean we're looking now at an A-League starting on the 27th of December I think the national borders are going to make a decision on the 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, WA has been fairly staunch in, in how they've uh, approached border control and it'd be interesting to see how that fix works out because we got, you know, fixtures at HBF Stadium is going to be, um, difficult if we, if we don't have an open border. Mm. No, that's, that's right. I think, um, unless things change in the, in the next six weeks or so, glory sides will have to be probably playing out of, um, out of Hindmarsh, 
uh, at least the um, you know the border there is open enough for, for everybody and what we do with two teams out of Victoria. Who knows? Yeah, but financially, when you look at it, I mean, the, the Glory are, are pushing their memberships at the moment. If they're playing out of Hindmarsh, um, very difficult to justify shelling out for a um, a membership if you're not going to watch any games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, for the sake of the competition, I don't know what's what's going to happen. It's going to be, a, yeah, as they say, strange times, and uh, you know what the what the end result will be. Who knows? All right, um, I'm running out of time because I've got to talk to my next guest very shortly. Um, thank you for being on. I'm sure we'll talk again. Um, I know with the discussion we had yesterday, you're, you're very, very knowledgeable in a whole range of things. And I think the the comparisons between the the NPL WA and NPL uh, New South Wales is, is an interesting one that we mm-hmm. can talk about in the future. And, and the development of youth players nationally also is a, another passionate thing a thing I'm passionate about and I know you are as well yeah mate, there's there's untold numbers of, uh, of topics that we could uh, we could cover in um, in future uh, future chats and I look forward to it no worries thank you very much for your time this morning thanks Sean thanks Pete thanks Greg Werner um, Australian his, historian um, already done great works there with the uh, Encyclopedia from the Matildas. I was thinking the, the overall encyclopedia, the, the 100 year anniversary, that sounds very interesting. It does. Yeah, no, look, he's a very, very good man. And uh, yeah, to spend an hour talking to him yesterday, I meant to ring him for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after that with Tash Rigby. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Okay, and we're back in the room. Um, all things going off in the NPL New South Wales just closing out next week. Yeah. Um, all of ours have closed out this in the last couple of weeks um, and someone who was involved in the finals within the, the women's NPL is our next guest, Tash Rigby. Tash, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good. Uh, wonderful day out there. It's just perfect. Yeah, it's so gorgeous, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and, and I don't know how they're going to go in the charity game tomorrow because I think they're forecasting 34. <laughs> they are. I know. It's going to yeah. be so hard. <laughs> well, you know, when you look at it, we're going to have, what, Bobby, Gareth and a few others running around out there. Fortunately, they're playing doctors and nurses, so they should be all right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, are you going to be playing in that? No, I was originally going to be playing, but unfortunately, I have to work. You were in, oh. you were in the promos and everything. I know, I know. 
They put me on the front page. I was supposed to be doing it, and I'm sure it'll be an amazing day for a very good cause. But unfortunately, I won't be able to make it. No worries. Now, you've just competed in the inaugural WMPL season with Fremantle City. How was that? I mean, Fremantle recruited well, um, had a horrible start. Yeah, <laughs> that's very blunt and very accurate. We we did it. We had a great season. It was my first season with the club. Both myself and Jamie Lee moved over there because the unfortunate um, disintegration of Queen's Park occurred. And so everyone had to find new clubs. And so, yeah, it was our first season there, but it was a fantastic experience. The club, it has an incredible vision for women's football and that was one of the reasons that I chose to go and play there because they just see the bigger picture and they've got an amazing development program as well. They've got a lot of um, women and girls teams so they've got all the girls coming through and they filter straight through to the 23s which then feeds into the Prem's team which is awesome to see. Um, it is a younger team so it is a bit like inexperienced in terms of age but they have been playing together for a long time and they have a very good click and a great dynamic and a great culture so yeah we did have a little bit of a rough start but we finished really well and made the finals and yeah unfortunately just missed out on penalties but it was a great season i'm super proud of the girls hey absolutely i think you know the, the important thing is though you've got a, a as you said a very young side um a couple of the other teams are quite mature so you know they'll be a year older next year and yeah. a, a year slower whereas your young girls will be a year wiser in it and a year better and I think you know it's a good balance of youth and, and experience in that team yeah that's exactly right and we did have a lot of the other girls go split between from Queen's Park those experienced girls go to either Perth Soccer Club uh, who had really great success this season which was good to see and Murdoch as well so you're right like this is only this team is a development team and we can see through the incredible talent that they have there that they'll only gain experience and only get better as time goes on. But there, there was incredible talent on show. And, and, you know, when you think about it, there's there's very few leagues around the world that would have um, something that went, just went viral in um, UKIC's Rabona. I know, how good was that? Oh, my God, that was so good. I was so happy for it. Even though it was against our team, I was so angry. I, was, you, I didn't talk about, about five because obviously I've played with her for a long time yeah. as well. And I've seen her try and pull that shot off so many times. And then to be on the other side of it, I probably didn't talk for about five minutes after she scored that goal. <laughs> it's funny. It'd yeah, be one so, of those confusing moments for you, though, because, you know, obviously you and her have got a, a lot of history. Um, you played together for a long time. You, you'd have been so happy for her and, and so miffed because it was against <laughs> your side. And as a defender, you don't like conceding. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. And, like, oh, but seriously, like, Kat is an, a phenomenal player and she has, like, the best technical skill, skill, sorry, I believe, in the league. Like, she's just so good. So she had a bit of a tough run last year as well. So I think um, in the NPL, sorry. And so I think that was just everything she deserved. Like, it's such a testament to the player that she is. So, yeah, I was pretty grumpy, but I was also super, super proud of her. And, and it reflects so well on the league. You know, when, when that goes viral around the world, that's how the world views West Australia women's football. So, you know, we've got players that are capable of uh, not not just completing Pulling that, that but, but, but attempting it. I mean, yeah. just the sheer goal to attempt it is is enough for me. It's because she has no left foot. 
<laughs> oh, you're cruel. Nah, nah, she's no, honestly, she she deserves every inch of that. She's fantastic. And yeah, she's the only one that would be able to do that. And you're right. Yeah. It has shone a, a spotlight on the league, which is like, what more could we ask for? That is just amazing. Yeah. So she yeah. is a beautiful role model and spokesperson for the league. And I was speaking earlier with Greg Farrell and, and we were talking about the Football West support with the, every game being um, podcast so that, you know, that that was in itself a, a fantastic thing that anyone could watch any of the games every week. And I think, you know, mm. for for the, the fan, brilliant. You there? Hey, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. go again. Sorry, I think uh, you just cut out for No, a bit. just having the, the games on the uh, internet podcast was, was just a, a fantastic thing for players and, and for the spectators. Yeah, no, 100%. It was, it's so great. And, yeah, I think they were getting quite a lot of views as well. So everyone can follow along. And it just allows the ease of being able to go back and watch the game and view the footage and then as a team, you know, work on that in the technical aspect as well. So it, it was so fantastic to get that kind of coverage and that exposure. And hopefully it's only a building block heading forward. Now, you mm. talked earlier about the disintegration of Queen's Park, which in itself was sad. But yes. for the, the positive from it is that, as you said, those girls now, including yourself, are all spread around the league um, in a bit more of a, a fairer way. And and for some reason, the the league this year seemed stronger because of that. Yeah, no, I think in hindsight and retrospect, looking at it, it probably is something that had to happen in the end. Um, yeah, as sad as it was, because it was an incredible club and we had, such an amazing journey together but um but you're right it, it was really good to see those those girls all spread across the league and it did even the playing field a lot as you saw through the results it was it was a very different league this year and I think obviously with the effect of the pandemic and that kind of created a little bit of turbulence at the start there but then towards the end all the results started coming through and yeah it was it was awesome to have such competitive league you know the usual story is usually Queen's Park Redbacks that's it so it was fantastic to have like clubs like um Perth stepping up and all these young like NTC performed fantastically as well with uh, Ben as their coach too so it was awesome to see all this talent that's just been spread across the league. Absolutely and and, you know not forgetting mum and Fremantle all um very competitive and as I said as you you grew throughout the season you you made the finals and you know you you missed out on penalties and you know Redbacks uh, obviously very good in, in a penalty shootout. Yeah, they were, they were awesome. And look, Morgan in goals, she is just getting better and better every single time I see her play. And she got Ferris and Best for the final, which I think was so well-deserved because she made some amazing saves during the game. And just look at her performance in the penalty shootout. She's like a cat, hey. Like, she would just fly through the air in like with all this flexibility. She's amazing. So, yeah, she not they obviously took some good penalties too, but I think that Morgan really made the difference for them there. Mm. Absolutely. Now, the the next stage for you, I imagine, would be that um, you'll take up your mantle as captain of the, the Glories W League side again. And when does training start for that? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so training, we're not sure at the moment. I think everything's a little bit up in the air just because of the nature of the world, I guess. But yeah. I think the season has just been announced to begin on the 27th of December. Yep. So, sorry, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the date. 
that's the date, yep. yep. And we, we usually will start prior, six, months, six weeks sorry, prior to that. So I think that falls around the middle of November. So it should be around that date. Um, yeah, I think we're, it'll just be another variable whether or not um, WA opens their border because we obviously have the hard border too. So that's something we need to think about. So I think there's a few options being um, thrown around at the moment and we're yet to decide on the the structure of the league so we'll see in the coming weeks where that lands and how well do you think the MPL or the WMPL has prepared um, these girls for it because I mean a lot of the the talent that was in the the W League last year is now playing in Europe and and great for them but it it allows more opportunities now for those up-and-coming players yeah absolutely I think that WA has done an amazing job. We've got some really incredible young talent coming through, uh, particularly in the NPC and honestly all over the league. So I think we did a really good job, Glory um, and the coaches and the club did a really good job last year of really um, nurturing our local talent. So that was an amazing step for us because now looking at the league, what the league will look like this year, it, it is it will be more homegrown. And so we have built a really good foundation um, heading into the season, I think it's important that we also look to the MPLW because there are amazing players that we are yet to recognise that have come through. So we've got a really good pool to um, pick from. So hopefully we get some new fresh faces in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting that it will be more homegrown grown this year and local girls will get that chance to step up and play on a, on a national level. So it's really exciting for them. So have you, have you seen anyone in the WMPL that uh, hadn't been on Bobby's radar before that you think he should be looking at? Oh, yeah, there's so many. But, like, <laughs> especially playing in a different team, I feel like there's just a few girls that I've played with. Like, I think Gemma Crane is a fantastic player. She won um, the first and best of the league last year as, alongside Kat, uh, and she's just so good at holding the ball at her feet. But, honestly, there's so many young girls coming through, and it, it pays off to go and look and hold proper trials so that we are able to get the best of the bunch, you know? Absolutely. And and um, I imagine you, you will be putting yourself up for captain. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It all just looks um, – we all just have to see how it all works because whether we move to a hub situation or if we have to go over east or anything like that, we all have to – because we are women, we have to work as well. So it all just depends on what happens with that and the structure of it all. But – yeah. Like all going well, I just yeah, I hope to go straight back into where we were last year. Yeah, and and that that in itself, that statement you you had there because we are women, um, and we have to work as well is <laughs> you know something we've got to work on because, um, you know, you work just as hard as the fellas do on the park, um, and yeah. I know that there there's always been this historical gap, but you know. It'd be nice to see that gap close. It'd be nice to see you being able to sustain um, a lifestyle as a, a full-time professional. Well, a small, small yeah. step in the right direction, but apparently the FFA is looking at um, spending equal money on marketing between the W League and the A League this yep. season. So that's... Oh, my gosh. I haven't heard that. That's that, incredible. That should be good. That'd I don't know. Incredible. Hopefully that means they're going to be boosting the the W League advertising and not just cutting down the A League advertising. <laughs> but. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, that's probably... Um, Helped along by the news that the, the or the announcement, sorry, that the World Cup is going to be held here in 2023. Exactly, and I think that is such a blessing for us. Um, 
being involved in the W League because it does put the spotlight on women's football in Australia. And so, you know, it, you kind of, you don't want to let the world down when the world's watching. And so that's really awesome news. I didn't know that. So that's fantastic. But yeah, you're right. We do have to work full time and, you know, train just as much as the boys too. So we work nine to five and then go to training five to nine. So it's big days for us. So hopefully we can look in the future towards, you know, kind of making it a bit more of a full-time thing for us. And then and then it's just kind of like a feedback cycle. Then the quality improves because we're we're allowed to train, you know, 24-7 and we can fully invest our bodies and we're not knackered every time we rock up to training. So it's kind of like a positive feedback cycle in the way that one will feed the other. So, yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we talk about the, the WMPL um, and the – the professionalisation of of that league um, that needs to to in, increase its levels of professionalism. Um, a lot of clubs don't pay players, and I think you know there's a a reticence to pay players. But if you're going to pay men, then you should be paying women. That's that's my opinion. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. But I think I think even the step that we took towards um, WNPL this year, just gone, has been an awesome step. Like broadcasting every single game, the professionalism lifted, the standards lifted, and now that each club has to meet a certain requirement to be eligible to be part of the NPLW has meant that there are, you know, better standards involved, full stop. So hopefully this is just a step in the um, right direction and next year, yeah, we'll have more teams paying as well and there'll be more, yeah, promotion and involvement. So, yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all heading in the right direction. And I suppose for, for someone who does play um, professionally in the, the, the W League and then, um, you know, in the, in the W MPL, you notice the, 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 um, interest in the sports sciences is increasing in the state league. Whereas before it, it was just turn up and, you know, you'd have someone who'd act as a physio. Now you've got a proper physio mm. and you've got, um, a lot of those people working in the background with biomechanics and, um, in some cases, Clubs that are lucky enough to have a, a GPS set up are using those now to, to track players as they do in, in the professional leagues. Yeah, exactly right. And it's like that's incredible to see that at a state league level. And even our, our Fremantle team, we have like – it's awesome to see that we have like a physio, we have a strength and conditioning coach, yep. we have someone that monitors our load, and we have an assistant coach and a coach. Whereas before, you just have – a coach, and that's it, and he's left to do everything. So the attention is there and the effort is there, and that means you're getting less injuries and better performances. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see. And you're also uh, using the a camera system to, to record your game so then you can run through and, and run those, those sessions and, and using the actual gameplay to pick up where you could have improved on a performance or something you, you picked up in the opposition that you can use next time around. Hmm. Exactly right. Like this year was probably the first time that we've used video analysis so thoroughly in the state league and it, it helps so much and it helps the players understand and, you know, start thinking in a completely different dimension as well. So, yeah, that further improves it even more. And that that helps so much with every game being broadcast, live broadcast, because it's so easily accessible to go and then view the footage. Oh, absolutely. And then how do you, how do you put up with the criticism then when the a commentator or, or some of the comments that come up on the, <laughs> the feed comes up about <laughs> your own <laughs> performance? <laughs> oh no no no! You don't look at the comments. No 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 no. But I, I imagine you'd be very critical of your own performance anyway. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and obviously that's what we do in the W League as well. So we're we're conditioned to kind of um, look at every aspect of our performance like that anyway. But bringing that into the state league level is just letting um, those players at that level think in a different way, you know, so it kind of prepares them to head into the next level. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're looking at things like heat maps, you can see, you know, that maybe you have drifted too far left or right and or too, in the case of a, a defender, too far up the field. Um, but, you know, it, it gives you that opportunity to, to look at what you're doing and, and to conserve energy and use it in the right places. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but um, also look at the opposition. And we did a lot of that this year and towards the end of the year as well and it can help you then design how you are going to set up against them and what press you're going to play and everything like that so that really can help work to your advantage too and with um with Fremantle you've got a very good coach who is a very good sports scientist as well did did he give much support to the the women's um MPL side yeah definitely yeah 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 we had so much support and like our coach um, at Freer, he's just fantastic. Like, he's such a nice man as well. And so that really, really helps. He's just such a people person and has an incredible vision and works so hard for the club and for the girls coming through as well. So it's it's just bigger than the team, you know. Like, you can see that what what we're building is more than, more than just one single team. It's for the club and it's for women's football in general. So, so I take it you're committing to them for next year? Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, they'll be very happy to hear that. Um, you're, you're a great person to have around around the club. You're a great person to talk to on air. And uh, I know that when you're, you're at the glory, you're, you're a great leader there as well. So uh, thank you for oh, being on. That's the, so lovely. Thank you for being on this morning. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Tash. See ya. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Tash Rigby, who is uh, with Fremantle City in the WNPL and captains the glory during the W League season. So it sounds very happy and chirpy. She's like that when she's depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Tash. That's how she is. Yeah. Um, yeah, just lights up a room. Brilliant person to to have around. A uh, great leader for the the WN. WN side, NPL side, yep. and also within the, the W League side. So yeah, she's a she's a real real fire wire that one. Hmm. Yeah, um, just a shame she couldn't get a shift swap for tomorrow. But there you go. I'll, yeah. I know the people that she works with, so I'll, I'll put in a word next time. <laughs> um, and speaking of tomorrow, so yep. it's it's two uh, thirty kickoff at Dorian Gardens. Gold coin gold coin donation. Gates open at one thirty. Gates open at one thirty. Everything's going to PCH and Telethon. Yep. And I think I saw something about Kenny Lowe pulling the boots on as well. So Yes, yeah, yeah. Kenny's pulling the boots on as as are a number of uh, former Glory players. So, yep. um, you know, as I said, I just think it's fortunate they're playing doctors and nurses <laughs> a 30, 40 degree day. I just, yeah. what are you thinking, honestly? <laughs> Why don't they make it an evening game? <laughs> um, great things are seen on, on, the, uh, on the web recently. Um, Scott. Sainsbury and, he, and his father Trent just going through um, some gifts that his son's given him, yep. his um, national team shirt and the photographs and other things. That was a nice little story they had on there. And um, there's an, also another story running that Graham Arnold might be considering pulling the pin on the Socceroos. Well. You've not you, seen that one? I have seen that one. You'd, you'd think, well, I mean, money money, money talks. Yep. But uh, you'd think he'd at least want to want to have a go through to the 2022 World Cup. 
yeah. uh, before pulling the pin. But, yeah, he's apparently he's knocked back a uh, offer from FC Seoul in Korea, but he uh, an MLS club, an American club, has also uh, put in uh, a request for him. They haven't said who the club is, but the two clubs currently without a coach at DC United and Atlanta United, so mm-hmm. it would be probably one of them. Uh, interestingly, had he gone and taken up the deal with FC Seoul, he'd be coaching against Melbourne Victory in the Asian Champions League because <laughs> they're in the same group. Yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would he do the right thing by them? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Melbourne Victory. I don't think he's, he owes them anything. So <laughs> He's an Aussie. Yeah, well, no, no, that's true, but he was yeah. also the coach of Sydney. So yeah, I know. the chance to stick the boot into Victory again in the Asian Champions League, that might be a, could, could know, be, a sweetener on the deal. Yeah. Now, we've got a, a couple of minutes left. Um, what's your take on the, the glory signings? Um, happy. Happy. Yeah. But obviously you can't, can't say anything until, until we see what happens. Um, and we'll, I'll be watching the Asian Champions League yeah. finally, watching that with, uh, with great interest to see how they go. I think I saw something about uh, Economides. Obviously, he did his ACL. He's, yep. he's back in training, but they don't think he'd be playing until... I think I saw something about February or March, so he's probably not going to be, be about right. Yeah, yeah, turning out in the ACL for us, but um, I'm I'm happy and I'm enthusiastic, and I say that before every season. So. Yeah, but he did that. You know, he's done an ACL before the ACL. That's yeah. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think it's it's good. Um, yeah, like you, optimistic Glory fan. I remember being optimistic about Brian Dean signing. So how, <laughs> yes. How yes. wrong can I be? Yeah. Um, and a few others we've had along the way. Um, there have been some. Um, yeah, a oh, certain yeah. French, former French international who we thought great things of, and yep. yeah, nowhere near it. Um, so yeah, it just depends. And I think you know um, <laughs> we've got this thing at our club, the same thing. Do do you want to be at the club, or are you just here for the money? And that's really what you're going to work <laughs> out. And if people want to be with the club. Yep. Then they'll work out. And I think the good thing with Keo is he wants to be at the club. Yeah. 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 So my understanding is he's West Australian based now anyway. So, he is, yeah. So even theoretically if he stopped playing tomorrow, he'd still be living in WA. Absolutely. So, you know, and, yeah. and anyone that can, can bring sixteen or twenty goals a season to you has got to be worthwhile having in your side. Yeah. Even if it does mean fifty or sixty offsides. <laughs> you know, I think that'd be it's the return. The return is the big number, which is the the goals. Yes, uh, yeah, and and he is uh, certainly in the A League era our top scorer. He's top of the table with uh, sixty goals. Yeah, uh, Castro's second, and Shane Smeltz is third. Yeah, and Hanwell fourth. So yeah, no, no. Look, I, I think it's a a great a great signing for us in some ways. I think you know he'll come back reinvigorated um, and. Well, hopefully he wants to prove some people wrong. Yeah, true. And yeah. Uh, he is also obviously getting on in age a little bit at, yeah. at, at 34. Um, so I, I would imagine he's still got a year or two left in him. As an impact player, yep, come off the absolutely. bench. And again, we've got some young players yep. like Daggers uh, who sort of at the other end are Daggers still Daggers and young. Aspro. Yep, still still young. So yep. I guess overall a little average out. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I hope and pray that the borders will be right. Because, <laughs> no, look, I've really missed being there in my seat at HBF cheering the side and so is the wife. Exactly the same for me, except for standing in the shed, not sitting in my seat. Yeah, but I grade up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's been us for the, the week. Thank you for listening. Penny will be back in next week. Um, I'll be back in a fortnight. I think you're with me as I'm well, with Pete. You, yeah, no worries. So we'll be back in a fortnight. Thank you all for listening. Lenny and the J Show are coming up next. Thank <laughs> you.
This is it. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Play. Play now. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.